Good evening. Good evening, and welcome to the Transportation Authority of Marin Board of Commissioners meeting, March 23rd, 2023. We will lead off with the uh, item number one, the chair's welcome. And I wanna give out a huge and tremendously awesome welcome to literally everyone, because this is our first in-person meeting in like forever. <laughs> well, kind of forever. So it's really great that we have old commissioners, new commissioners, and, and staff here, and our valued members of the public. So I just want to extend a huge uh, welcome to everyone. And we're going to lead off right now with an oath of office. Anne, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Thank you, Chair. Uh, so this oath of office is for our new commissioner from Novato, Rachel Farrakh. So uh, Rachel, if you would please Repeat after me. We will swear you in as a member of the TAM board. Ready? Yep. Okay. I, Rachel Farrakh. I, Rachel Farrakh. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution defend. of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear true, true faith, faith and, and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. Or purpose of invasion. That I will well and faithfully discharge. That I will well and, well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which the duties in which I'm about to enter. I am about to enter. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Rachel. Jennifer, can we get a roll call? Commissioner Blaustein, absent. Commissioner Carmel, here. Commissioner Carroll, here. Commissioner Collin, present. Commissioner Catrano, present. Commissioner Farrakh, present. Commissioner Fredericks, here. Commissioner Kennenser, absent. Commissioner Cool, here. Commissioner Moulton Peters, absent. Commissioner Rabazio, here. Commissioner Rice, here. Commissioner Rodoni, here. Commissioner Sackett, here. Vice Chair Lucan, absent. Chair Colbert, present. You have a quorum. Thank you very much. Jennifer, can you provide the public participation announcements, please? Yes. This meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting. A Zoom webinar link has been provided, as well as accommodations for in-person attendance. There are a number of ways that the public may participate in today's discussion. For members of the public participating in person, the board chair will recognize persons from the audience who wish to address the board during public open time or on a particular agenda item at the time that that item is considered by the board. Members of the public participating by Zoom may provide verbal comment on any item during the open time for that particular item by using the raise hand feature or dialing star nine and waiting to be called upon to provide your comment. Meeting related comments may also be sent to info at tam.ca.gov and will be read when the specific agenda item is considered by the board and will become part of the public record. Please note that there is a three minute limit for comment. I'm also gonna ask everybody to please mute your microphones for the duration of the meeting and only unmute it when speaking. I will conduct a roll call vote on each action item, so you will need to unmute your microphone briefly. Thank you. Thank you. We'll move on to agenda item one, the chair's report. 
I'd like to announce the appointment of Mary Sackett to the uh, 101-580 Ad Hoc Committee. And I'd also announce, uh, like to announce the appointment of myself to the State Route 37 Policy Committee. We'll now move on to agenda item two, commissioner's reports and commissioner matters not on the agenda. We'll turn to Commissioner Rice for the Marine Transit Report. Yes, and um, I have nothing uh, special to report today from the Marine Transit District Board. Thank you very much. I believe that Commissioner Collin will be offering the SMART Report. Correct. I am sitting in for uh, our we'll be reporting on behalf of Vice Chair Lucan, who couldn't be here. Um, SMART, we have three things to share. Ridership continues to increase. We are up. 87% over, feb over February 2022. So February 2023, we're up over 87%, which translates to nearly 50,000 rides. So year-to-date FY23 ridership is up 93% versus FY22. So ridership continues to go in the proper direction. Uh, the board or the staff is exploring the development of a three-day commuter pass. We want to recognize that commute patterns have changed. And I think we're one of the only transit agencies that's actually looking at how do we reflect how people are using transit. Staff is looking at that um, and we'll bring it back to the board later this year. And then finally, in our most recent meeting, we discussed freight, as you may recall, the smart board prior to COVID, so it must've been 2018, brought, uh, brought in the freight rail line. And we had question and discussion around budget and operations discussions uh, and what it's gonna look like going forward. So. Thank you, Chair, for letting me share that report this evening. Thank you very much. Commissioner Roland Peters is on the road, so there'll be no uh, MTC report tonight. Jennifer, do we have any public comment? Oh, actually, sorry, before we do that, do we have any uh, commissioner matters not on the agenda? That's one we'd like to discuss this evening. Commissioner Carmel. Yeah, thank you. So um, I mentioned this uh, probably two months ago. So. Uh, Mill Valley uh, was developing an e-bike safety ordinance, and I'm happy to report on Monday we had the first reading and a presentation from our police chief. We passed the first reading. It's going to go back to council for a vote on April 3rd. It'll take um, it'll take effect 30 uh, 30 days later, so beginning of May we'll have that in place. Recall this was to curb sort of unsafe behavior with e-bikes and scooters in our town going too fast, uh, adjusting the speed on a bike so it goes over the speed limit, riding on sidewalks, riding against traffic, not obeying traffic signals. This is not a punitive uh, ordinance. This is an educational ordinance. So uh, we will be citing individuals and then bringing them into a training course that we've developed together with MCBC. And it will take a couple of hours so that they feel the pain of having to sit there for a couple of hours. And their parents will be involved and their parents will get training on what it means to, to get an e-mobility device and how to maintain it so that things like, for example, brakes and so forth get replaced when they need to be. And so we're super excited about this. This is not just the first in Marin, it's actually the first in the Bay Area. And so um, I think this is the right step. So we had somebody from, and thank you to um, to Supervisor, um, Supervisor uh, Sackett who, connected me together with um, the Association of Physicians for the Bay Area. So we had a physician come and speak to the enormous increase in ER visits as a result of e-bikes. So I think this is really important to get the safety element right. And so we're really excited about this. I hope that um, 
Others of you here are interested in this thing. If you are, please reach out to me. If I can connect you with my PD chief, with your PD chief, that's great. I'm happy to speak with you also individually about this thing. I think it'd be great to get this instigated throughout the county because, for example, in Mill Valley, we're half county, half city. So we have people coming to our high school that are coming from the county. So really important to incorporate the county into it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Reverend. Any additional commissioner comments on matters not on the agenda? Seeing none, Jennifer, do we have any public comment in the room? None. Any online? Uh, yes. Uh, Clayton Smith, please unmute. It was brought up um, <clears throat> during uh, February's Citizen Oversight Committee of the Transportation Authority that Marin Transit has been having difficulty finding, oh, excuse me, Finding up, uh, it was brought up uh, at the uh, during the February Citizen Oversight Committee meeting of the Transportation Authority that Marin Transit was having a difficulty finding new drivers, which is leading to the reduction or elimination of services. This confirms the assertions that have been made by Wall Street analyst and hedge fund manager Edward Dowd, author of the book Cause Unknown: The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. Um, it pertains to the recent unexpected payoffs of the life and disability insurance companies cooperated by statistics from the Department of Labor and from VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, following the rollout of the experimental mRNA COVID inoculations. It was clear from his inquiry that the working age population was gravely affected not only in terms of the excess deaths they suffered, but more significantly from the rise in permanent disabilities, which were multiples of the excess deaths following the injections. The number of these permanent disabilities appears to be now uh, these excess permanent disabilities, a consequence of this uh, shots, to be over 1.8 million workers and more likely to rise as the impact of the shots make itself uh, fully known. This is going to negatively impact all labor intensive activities going forward, leading to persistent and widespread labor shortages in the years that lie ahead. There are a couple of takes takeaways from this. The first being the price of labor inputs in your budgeting proposals, and also the potential for delays in completions. Second is your need to discourage, I believe, either mandating or even recommending the inoculation or injection of your workforce with any of these pharmaceutical products using the experimental platform used in these COVID shots, namely the liquid nano uh, uh, particle uh, envelopes that are used in these products. Third is to rehire any of those people you might have unjustly fired for not taking these products during the rollout and um, perhaps even as an incentive for giving them and handing them back uh, whatever uh, pay they forfeited in the process. Thank you. Jennifer, any additional public comment? I don't see any additional comments at this time, Chair. Great. We'll move on to item number three, the executive director's report. 
All right, thank you, Chair. Um, so uh, I do have a few slides to share this evening, but um, I did wanna start by welcoming everybody to uh, our first in-person meeting in some time. Uh, and I also wanted to thank staff, um, in particular, Jennifer, Molly, Grace, and Lee, along with Joanne, for all the effort they put in to relearn how to hold meetings in this room, get familiar with the new technology, and also for setting up uh, the nice uh, mini reception that we just came from. So uh, thank you all. Uh, and also thanks to our contractors, uh, Michael and Scott with Marin TV for their support of this meeting. We appreciate that. So if you go to the next slide, uh, I will start with some announcements about uh, releasing uh, requests for proposals. And um, just bear with us for a moment, if you would. Okay, well, I'm gonna keep talking. So <laughs> while they work on that. Um, so I am pleased to announce that earlier this week, uh, we did uh, release a request for proposals to develop our countywide transportation plan. Um, this would be Marin County's first CTP and is intended to build on previous long range plans, including TAM's 2017 strategic vision plan. Um, the CTP is expected to advance um, our, our county's transportation needs and priorities with a performance based framework. And we're seeking qualified consultants to support staff and the board in developing the plan expected to be initiated this summer. Uh, there's a non-mandatory pre-bid meeting scheduled for April 3rd. Proposals are due by April 21st. Uh, there are more details on the TAM website and uh, just uh, encourage folks to help spread the word about this opportunity. And we will have much more discussion about the plan once we get underway later this summer. Uh, next slide. Um, also, just a quick update. We had posted an RFP for sea level rise adaptation planning. This is a new program at TAM that was included in the Measure AA sales tax renewal. And um, the RFP would focus on building from the great work that's already been done uh, by the cities and the county in planning for sea level rise and advance uh, some of that work into um, uh, project development stages, uh, looking at the most vulnerable transportation assets and potential adaptation measures. So uh, we have uh, already received proposals as that opportunity closed on March 7th. So we're evaluating them now. And I would also note that a couple of other RFPs are posted on our website as well, including one for financial auditing and one for HR consulting services. And those deadlines are approaching very soon. Next slide. Uh, so moving on to some commuter news, you may recall that TAM helps promote and sponsor a vanpool program as part of the Marin Commutes umbrella. And in the Bay Area, uh, the vanpool program is typically run by Enterprise Commute Services. Um, so on April 19th, TAM and Enterprise are hosting a webinar for employers regarding the vanpool program and the benefits that are available. And uh, we would just ask that um, anyone who's interested, feel free to share the information with your employer networks. And there is more information about how to sign up on our website as well. Next slide. Uh, more commute news. Um, MTC has launched a Richmond San Rafael Bridge e-bike commute program um, to promote the use of e-bikes for commuting across the Richmond San Rafael Bridge on the pathway there. The program provides discounts on e-bikes uh, purchased by residents living and working uh, on one side of the bridge, living on one side of the bridge and working or going to school on the other side of the bridge. Uh, there's some eligibility requirements, including uh, being 18 years or older, 
living and working or going to school on opposite sides of the bridge and uh, an income threshold. Um, and again, this is an MTC program, but uh, their uh, website for it is rsrbikecommute.org, uh, and uh, folks can learn how to apply at that website. Next slide, please. Uh, moving on to some grant and funding news. Um, earlier this month, TAM submitted a proposal for a Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant for a Vehicle Miles Traveled Reduction and Mobility Enhancement Toolkit. We had applied to the same program for a very similar project last year. We came uh, within two points of getting funded, so we are resubmitting again uh, with some updates and uh, fingers crossed on that. Um, the goal of the project would be to assist local jurisdictions in meeting their VMT reduction requirements that are now part of CEQA and uh, also to support equitable transportation solutions across the county. So we should hear back on that uh, within a couple of months. And speaking of funding, some good news from one of the state funding programs, which is called the Highway Safety Improvement Program or HSIP. And uh, Marin agencies are, are slated to receive $3.4 million in grants from this program. This was just announced uh, last week, I believe. Um, HSIP is a federal aid program which is administered by Caltrans and is really focused on achieving a reduction in traffic fatalities and serious injuries. Six projects were selected in Marin, four in the unincorporated areas, one in San Rafael and one in Mill Valley. The program overall was very heavily oversubscribed, which is typical for this program, with 434 applications from 206 local agencies uh, received requesting $521 million in funding. Of that, 282 applications were selected for about $226 million, so almost twice as much requested as available. Um, Marin received about 1.5% of the funding, which uh, is pretty good for a county of our size. And uh, there were some applications in Marin that were not funded, and uh, we would encourage those folks to keep applying. Uh, this is a program that occurs uh, very regularly. I think it's annual or every other year. Next slide. Uh, another funding opportunity, this one courtesy of the federal government through the infrastructure bill. Um, uh, this month, uh, just last week, in fact, uh, the administration announced the first round of funding for the EV charging programs. Uh, $700 million is being made available in two programs. This is a nationwide competitive opportunity. Applications are due at the end of May. The guidelines are quite extensive, so I have to say staff is still reviewing them um, and uh, starting discussions or having discussions with local agencies about interest in applying for this opportunity. Next slide, please. Uh, some Caltrans updates to share. So just kind of of general interest, um, Tokes Omashakin, who was the head of Caltrans and is now the Secretary of Transportation for the state, has launched a new blog, Tokes Talks Transportation, a catchy name. Um, and it's really just to feature his sort of observations and reflections on transportation and, and quality of life in California. Um, also in Caltrans uh, news or updates, our, our uh, monthly report is attached to the EDR. Um, and I did want to add that paving activity is not always included in that report because that is a maintenance function. So it's kind of a different group at Caltrans. Um, but as you have probably noted, uh, the rain is ravaging roads this year and Caltrans crews have been out 
uh, with a lot of pothole and road repairs, um, including a pretty significant one on the Petaluma River Bridge over State Route 37 that was recently repaved and restriped. Um, and uh, they do send out advisories for this work, Caltrans does. So if anyone is interested in getting on that email list, just let us know. And last but definitely not least, here's this month's list of community events and meetings that staff is participating in. Um, and I especially wanted to note a couple of Earth Day and Bike to Work related events coming up a little bit later this spring. That concludes my report and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Anne. Any questions for Anne concerning her, concerning her report? Seeing none. Jennifer, any public comment? Yes. Clayton Smith, please unmute. I know once again this uh, three-foot uh, sea level rise assertion that seems to um, be very frequent in all these presentations. Uh, three feet by mid-century, when in fact um, most uh, people in the scientific community put the maximum expected level to be perhaps one foot, and that's perhaps one foot over the next hundred years. And so I think that's an excessive number, and I uh, would really um, challenge it uh, as uh, something that we should be concerned with. We should not be necessarily planning for such uh, a would be essentially uh, a crisis-producing phenomenon. Concerning these uh, assertions you made about the e-bikes on the Richmond Bridge, um, who's going to keep the data on the income threshold applications uh, that uh, you are expecting to receive? And what, and given the sensitivity of that information, um, I'm wondering what kind of measures uh, do you anticipate putting in place uh, to uh, secure that data and um, what notification of that uh, data security is going to be provided or data risk to the people who make the applications and how long will that uh, information remain in your database um, that that is becoming now in our society that kind of information extraordinarily important um, concerning your e-charging program which was brought up previously at the Board of Supervisors, um, we've witnessed so many times now the uh, deficiency in the current supply available on our local electric grid, um, particularly as we have been phasing out um, our more reliable baseline. And thankfully, we did not phase out the Diablo Canyon because we'd be in very deep trouble if we did that uh, for the intermittent supply that's available for renewables and the tax it puts upon the supply of natural gas that's coming out of the, the Monterey shale. So I'm wondering where in, in this program is there um, allocation or anticipation or production of additional electrical supply going to come from uh, to support this program um, in the future? Thanks, those are my three thoughts. We'll now move on to item number four, open time for public expression. Up to three minutes per speaker on items not on the agenda that are within the subject matter of the agency's jurisdiction. 
While members of the public are welcome to address the board under the Brown Act, board members may not deliberate or take action on items not on the agenda, on the agenda and may generally only listen. Jennifer, any public comment? I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Thank you, Jennifer. We'll move on to item five, the consent agenda. Commissioners, do you have any comments or changes for the consent agenda? All right, seeing none, uh, based on the comments received today from MCBC, I would like to pull item 5B off consent and consider it separately in order to provide direction to staff. On items 5A and 5C, Jennifer, any public comment? I don't see any hands raised at this time. And no comments in the room, may I have a motion? I'm happy to move consent as amended. Second. Okay. We have a first by Catrano, a second by Fredericks. Will the clerk conduct the roll call, please? Commissioner Carmel? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Catrano? Yes. Commissioner Farra? Aye. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Cool? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Chair Colbert? I'm also a yes. Thank you. With regards to item 5B, adopt positions on the 2023 state legislative bills, I would like to ask staff to review the list of bills uh, provided by MCBC and return to the board in the near future with any additions to the matrix. For tonight, though, I recommend approving the staff recommendations as presented in the staff report. Any comments from my commissioners? Seeing none, Jennifer, any public comment? Matthew, welcome. Good evening. Uh, do I have to press something? No. Okay. Good evening, commissioners. Thank you. I'm Matthew Hartzell with WTB TAM, speaking to agenda item 5B. And I, I know that there are thousands of bills that are introduced every year, so you can't possibly um, entertain every single good bill and put it in the TAM recommended matrix. But there is one bill that I would like to draw your attention to and ask you to consider, and it is on MCBC's matrix. So I think you will be getting some supplementary information about that. But um, it is AB251, and it is um, it is called, it would create a task force um, that would do a feasibility study on the, the concept of creating a, an additional user fee based on vehicle weight because pedestrian and bicyclist vulnerable road user deaths and serious injuries have been going up in the last few years. And the number one reason for this is vehicle weight. Vehicle weights of vehicles sold is going up. And so this would be a practical common sense way for the state and local agencies to but um, to to uh, to apply it, uh, I don't want to say the word tax, but to 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 put a cost to this externality that's created by vehicle weight, and to try to maybe encourage people to to look at lighter weight vehicles, which really do save lives, because the difference between a vehicle in a certain weight class hitting a child, hitting a cyclist, hitting a pedestrian versus one in a different weight class can really mean the difference between life and death. 
And um, this is just a study, so it would just be looking at the, the pros and cons, but there, it really would bring a lot of benefits to local agencies because it would create a new dedicated revenue source to be used for pedestrian and bicyclist safety improvements on our roads. Um, it, the details could be worked out, but I encourage you to look strongly at this um, AB251 and make a recommendation in support of it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Matthew. Jennifer, any additional public comment? Yes, Clayton Smith, please unmute. I think that vehicle weight, this issue, uh, strikes mostly at people who are driving pickup trucks. And those are the people who are in the working class. Uh, and the working class people are uh, the people part probably who are most at the margin influenced by these kind of fees or actually taxes. But regarding the issue of vehicle weight, vehicle weight is probably much more than any other single factor. Uh, the safety is the safety factor for making a decision buying a vehicle. That's one of the reasons that the large vehicles are so popular because they're much safer and secure. Now you can see that very easily when you take a look at all the moms in Marin County with their um, Highlander um, uh, SUVs. And this is quite different than in the 1970s when I was driving and so many people were moving from large vehicles down to small vehicles. But we found out that those small vehicles were not as safe as large vehicles. And so we moved up to larger vehicles. And since only a small paucity of number of people actually are using e-bikes and other bikes, um, and certainly not the people who pay for all the roads and everything around here, I think um, uh, the vehicle weight issue is something that, that I would hesitate um, supporting because I think uh, not only is it, uh, as I said earlier, going to have a disproportionate effect on working class people in the construction trades. But I also think it's kind of impolitic when you think of the fact that most of the people who are actually paying for all the government and the services are driving the heavier vehicles. Thank you. Jennifer, any additional public comment? I don't see any additional comments at this time. Thank you. Uh, any additional commissioner comments? Seeing none, would anyone care to offer a motion? I'll make a motion to um, adopt the positions or on the on five B with the modification for staff to come back on the additional items as directed by the chair. Thank you. Second, please. First by Sackett, second by Radoni. Jennifer, the roll. Commissioner Carmel. Yes. Commissioner Carroll. Yes. Commissioner Collins. Aye. Commissioner Catrano? Yes. Commissioner Farrah? Aye. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Cool? Yes. Commissioner Rabazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Chair Colbert? Yes. Passes. Item six, review and approve measure AAA, half cent transport, uh, MAAA, half cent transportation sales tax, and measure B, $10 vehicle registration 
fee revenue projections and fiscal year 2023-2024 annual budget development schedule. This is an action item. Lee, I see you in the hot seat. It must be you. I am. It's very hot. And I have to say, it's very exciting to see everyone after three years in person here. It is making me actually nervous, but it's exciting. <laughs> so with that, um, I guess if Jennifer or Grace can help me pull the PowerPoint. Um, I do see, you know, we have a couple of new commissioners here. Um, so I just want to, in terms of background, I do want to point out this item we staff actually has been um, having the tradition of take the measure um, A, uh, sales tax revenue, and then later on the measure B, vehicle registration fee revenue to the board in March every year, along with a quick economic update. So really the purpose of this item is to set the stage for the upcoming budget cycle. So TAM's budget cycle, if we can move to the next slide, um, as you can see, we actually start with the March review of the revenue level, um, the two most important local sales tax re uh, local revenue we have. And then between um, March, April, that's when um, that's when staff actually work with the partner agencies and put the draft budget together. And in May, we will take the budget to the AP uh, administration projects and planning executive committee for review. And we also take the draft budget for the cities and the oversight committee for, for review. We also share that with all the partner agencies. And then the May board meeting, that's when the board will release the budget for public comment. And in June, that's when we adopt the final budget. Um, so with that, Jennifer, next slides. So again, as I said, um, the purpose of this item um, is to really share a quick update on the economic, mostly information sharing. Um, so you see, we're still loading in terms of where we're going in, in terms of 2023. And um, I attended a webinar that hosted by UCLA, uh, which is UCLA's March economic uh, forecast last week. I think one of the nice benefits of the whole pandemic changing is all the hybrid uh, webinars. You know, used to be I would have to travel down to UCLA to attend it, but this way, I actually was able to sign up for a free webinar session, um, but they are hosting those um, hybrid in a hybrid mode with in-person participation. Um, so the first question we got at the end of the session was a very upset in-person attendee stood up and said, before I came to this economic update, I know there's a 50 versus 50% chance in terms of whether we're gonna have a recession. And with you two hour talk, all you can tell me is that this is 50, 50% chance. So there was an awkward five second silence. I was actually expecting the UCLA director offer a refund, um, but instead he finally laughed and he said, we should be happy that you actually confirm you're right. Um, so that's really where the stage we are now in terms of where we're going. There's way too many uncertainties. And in a way, there's also a data overload. The too many data, we're going in all different directions. Um, so we, I think we should probably be happy. There's a 50 chance that we might still not have a recession. So with that, I'm gonna to move to the next slides, which actually it's on a more national level. So Forbes tracks uh, 15 different data points to kind of like have assessment on where the economy is going. So this slide actually has the economic condition data, the um, six pretty popular dominant data there, along with the job market data. 
So I think you probably all heard enough. The job market is still doing great. We just heard from a public speaker, we don't have enough drivers. We don't have enough people applying for jobs. Um, but in terms of general economic data, as of the end of last year, as you can see, six data points, we have one good, one natural, and four bad. And I do want to point out in terms of sales tax, uh, retail sales tax growth, it is actually positive now at a 2% um, based on the most recent data. But just keep in mind with the CPI, with the inflation uh, into consideration, that's still a, it's a negative growth we're looking at. So moving to the next slide. So this is the housing data and the confidence data. Again, you know, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with the data here. Um, the, the main point is you see uh, no green, only red with some neutral. Um, so again, data at that point, you know, as of the end of the year is pointing to the direction we probably don't want to go. Moving to the next slide. Um, so in summary, we just want to point out, you know, with the 15 data points that Forbes, Forbes track, we have five good, two natural, and eight bad. Um, that is not a very encouraging message. And uh, actually, a few of you were at the Marine, at the Bank of Marine economic breakfast update yesterday uh, with me. Um, and then I think the first economist we had, his whole message was, this is depressing. So I have no good news for, good news for you. This is depressing. But I think, you know, it is actually more positive than he was focusing on um, because, again, the labor market is still going strong. And then the consumers are spending. I think the old saying is Americans, you know, when we're happy, we spend. When we're sad, when we're depressed, we spend too. So the consumer spending is still going strong. And the housing market, even though it is suffering, um, but it is still going strong, you know, in California compared to many of the other parts of the country, uh, especially as UCLA point out to the ADU units, the multi-family the multi-family units are really helping. Um, but the um, big unknown, you know, in addition to what we talked about is the geopolitical conflicts we're still facing, Russian versus Ukraine, China versus US, you know, I'm actually kind of torn in between. Um, I didn't come to the state until I was in my 20s, you know, so I'm like, which part about now? <laughs> and then also today, um, one of the UCA articles actually kind of point out the potential conflicts between India and Pakistan. Both countries have nuclear weapons. So I'm personally still hoping, you know, as long as we all be rational, be reasonable, uh, we can still keep things under control. But if if one of those totally go crazy, um, it will be hard to project which direction we will go. And the recent banking industry crisis, um, it is working out, but um, there's potential worry that what the potential long-term impact on the non-banking financial market. So those are the factors we have to kind of keep watching. And um, moving to the next slide. So in terms, again, I think I'm a little more positive here is in terms what this recession, if we have a recession, what this might be for California. So based on all the information we have here, um, unlike the last two recessions, California may be better, you know, compared to the rest of the country. Um, first, because we do still have strong sectors like the tech, the defense, as well as aerospace. And then also we might be losing people, um, which, you know, has been the headline for a while now, but we actually um, still have more jobs and, and we're actually getting more high productive jobs as well. And also, um, you know, I have to say at the UCLA Anderson forecast, 
the speaker was really keen on the Chinese tourists uh, tourist returning to the U.S. Um, we're really counting on that helping the retail sale. And I, knowing from my personal experience, I do think that will help. And uh, San Francisco and L.A. are the two top attraction areas those tourists will be coming. And I'm hoping by this summer, we will see a lot of them coming back, helping with the sales tax. Um, again, I already mentioned the ADU and multi-unit family law. Those are helping with the housing sector. And then also, um, even though we are having a state budget crisis again, but we still have a pretty household reserve and also the infrastructure bill, um, all those money going to infrastructure projects would definitely help. So moving to the next slide. Um, so San Francisco has this unique challenge. And I do want to point out, um, in this case, we are losing people, as I mentioned already. And, and then also in terms of the city specific, the housing, uh, the office vacancy rate is still you know, 28% compared to 4% back in 2019. And the office space, um, as some of the economists point out, is going to be dead for the next few years um, until we fully sort out, you know, what will be the new long-term working mode, hybrid, you know, what office space, how much we need. Um, and then retail sale, again, um, San Francisco, counties like San Francisco are still suffering um, because the tourists are not backing yet. So with that, moving to the next slides, um, bring it back to home. Um, I do have to say, you know, back home is still way better. I actually shared this picture um, with the board back in 20, early 2020 when the pandemic first happened. Um, I think the prediction at that time is more, we're a little unique, you know, with the demographic, with the income, with the type of jobs we have here, we could weather this a lot better than the rest of the, the, the um, Bay Area and than the rest of the, um, the state, and we did. So, um, so we're hoping, you know, that will continue for a little bit, but again, goes back to whether we're going to go into a recession, and if we do, uh, whether this can still continue, or we will go back, you know, into a negative growth territory like the rest, uh, like some of the uh, counties are suffering. So with that, um, next slides, please. So very quickly on the vehicle registration fee, we talked about car sales and, you know, the shortage of car. Um, on the, the other trend has been going on in the county is, as you can see, starting 2020, for the last three years, the county has been losing registered vehicle uh, in the county. So it does have a small impact on our revenue. Our Measure B vehicle registration fee is based on the registered vehicle in the county. But fortunately, Measure B is a very small percentage share of our overall funding source. So next slide, please. So with that, also, uh, with all that said, you know what staff is looking for your um, approval tonight is really we will actually still project a pretty small, mild um, increase for the sales tax revenue for the upcoming year at thirty five point sixty eight. We're also going to revise the current year's estimate based on the funding we be, based on the disbursement we received so far to thirty five point um, five million. And for the measure B, we're gonna maintain the current budget level uh, for the year, but then we're gonna reduce it to 2.25 million. Um, I do wanna point out um, this recommendation has been reviewed by the APNP exact committee, uh, committee and the LCOC has also reviewed all the information um, this Monday. So with that, staff is looking for a um, action to approve the recommended revenue level and as well as the uh, budget development schedule for the upcoming year. Thank you, Lee, for that uh, detailed 
and uh, comprehensive report. Any commissioner questions for Lee? Commissioner Carmel. Hi, Lee, thank you so much once again for your great analysis. Um, so I just wanna confirm just once again, these numbers are nominal, correct? So when you say 2% growth, you're talking about nominal growth? Yes. Right, so with you know 5% inflation, you're basically talking about a mostly 3% reduction. Yep, we are losing the real buying power. Yep. Okay, great, thanks. Any additional commissioner comments or questions? Commissioner Rice? Yeah, thank you, Lee. Excellent presentation and so great to see you in person um, with all the facts and the fun. Um, so I just was noting and, you know, taking, um, generally off of uh, Commissioner Urban's question or Carmel's questions around sort of where we are in terms of uh, revenue trends. We took a huge leap between 2021 and 2022. So if you, I mean, I was just looking at the trend and even with what looks like a slowdown from this year to next year, we're still, you know, if you drew a straight line, it's a pretty steep line. And that jump in increase in revenues between 2020 and 2021, that was actually sort of recovery. And then a huge leap 2021 to 2022. So. All in all, I feel like we're actually still doing pretty well. Again, that's definitely true. Um, you know, the the working from home situation in Marin County really helped. We had two really healthy two years of double digit. And that might still continue because many of our workers probably still had the luxury working from home. Um, that, you know, we will still continue to help. Yeah. So overall, um, I do want to note, Moving forward, we are reducing the growth rate from last year's recommended 2.5% to 2% for the upcoming five years, just to be conservative. I'm not seeing any other additional commissioner questions. Jennifer, public comment? Yes. Clayton Smith, please unmute. If you're accountant there, I didn't get your name originally. Uh, if you're really interested in getting into the weeds on what's happening concerning the banking collapse that actually has occurred and the kind of reconstructing the financial system that's going on now, there's a fellow named Michael Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. Uh, uh, -L. Uh, he's an Englishman, but he's headquartered in New York. He's got a global view, and uh, his talk recently on BlockWorks Macro, which is a web program, essentially caters to the people in the cryptocurrency and mostly the Bitcoin community, but also somewhat into the precious metals community. He has a very detailed conversation on what's actually likely to happen with the liquidity cycle. Uh, particularly the existing concavity that's in the uh, yield curve right now, and what it portends going forward for the um, rate of inflation that's being built in to the economy, which is probably something north of 6%. And that's a number that you should probably hold fast to in doing your future uh, computations for expected um, future price rises unless we have a very severe recession. His anticipation that that recession, if it does come, is gonna come sometime in the area around September, October into the latter part of the year. 
or, or maybe as much as delayed till next year. Um, although I think there'll be a scramble in the liquidity issue uh, going into the election. But it's an interesting conversation. And if you really like to get into the weeds of finance and the credit market and how it's functioning on a global level, you'd find it extremely interesting. Thank you. Jennifer, any additional public comment? There's no additional public comments at this time. Any commissioner comments? Commissioner Carmel. We're doing deliberation now, right? Yeah, we're doing deliberation. Oh, cool. I'm going to deliberate. All right. <laughs> we, I would be disappointed if you didn't. Okay, deliberate, good. Commissioner Carmel. So, first of all, Lee, I think you did a great job. I love your approach. I think this is the right, um, the right way to look at this budget to be conservative. You know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. I think is always the best. So, I do think that you're likely to see an upside surprise. I think there's more potential for that than you might imagine, but I'm glad that you plan for the downside. Upside surprise, uh, mostly because employment is so resilient here. Secondly, inflation is already coming down. We've had inflation peak basically seven, eight months ago. It's coming down. It's going to come down. It just is a matter of mathematics. It comes down. Thirdly, because the Fed is mostly done with the rate hikes, and that's going to help housing. And as everybody knows, we've got a housing shortage, right? So housing is going to come back in this area. We're going to have employment around housing because we're short housing, right? There's no way we're going to stop building housing. So housing might look bad nationally, but in Marin, it's going to be very strong. We've all got a housing element we've got to deliver on. So there's very little chance that this is going to be a very persistent slowdown in housing, although that is the hardest part about it. So I think you're likely to see you know, some better news in the future, but love your approach. This is the right way to look at it. I think you've nailed these numbers perfectly. So thank you. Thank you. Any additional commissioner comments? Commissioner, oh, Commissioner Carroll. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know if anyone's listening or if you have any influence with the Marin Economic Forum, but I wish their next meeting was going to be on Zoom as they have been in the past, but it looks like it's not going to be. It's in person up in Indian Valley, and I'm not going to be able to make it, but I find their presentations to be fascinating, and I wish they were keeping to Zoom. But thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Catron? Yes, Lee, thank you so much. Um, I, I think of all of the presentations that um, I get throughout the year, I feel like these sorts of presentations for my constituents and also for myself for understanding macroeconomic trends and how that impacts us here in Marin, so helpful and, and so accessible. So thank you very much. Um, and I'll be sure to, to spread that with constituents in my community. Um, the other thing I wanted to note, uh, as always, I love your, your glass half full look at things. Uh, so hopefully there's, yeah, we're seeing the upside on the 50-50 chances here. Since the XCOM meeting, I noted you added a number of banks to the, the slide that you presented to the XCOM. Um, so hopefully no more banks get added to that list. And we have uh, the, the picture that uh, Commissioner Carmel painted for us. But thank you again for everything you do. Thank you. I don't see any other uh, commissioner comments. Uh, before, uh, wait, did we? Oh, we, yeah, we took public comments. So I just have a couple of quick comments. Uh, I certainly support the uh, XCOM and the staff recommendation. And for the record, I would like to note that Lee is no mere accountant. She is the deputy executive director and the chief financial officer of the Transportation Authority of Marin. And I'd like to make sure that gets in the minutes, please. Thank you so much. May I have a motion? 
So moved. Uh, acceptance of the staff recommendation. I'll second. First by Mayor Kate of San Rafael. Second by Commissioner Carmel. Commissioner Carmel? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Cutrano? Yes. Commissioner Farag? Aye. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Cool? Yes. Commissioner Ravazio? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Verdoni? Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Chair Colbert? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We now move on to the highlight of the evening. Item number seven, presentation of the San Anselmo Hamlets Hub Study. And I believe you're going to level set, and we've got an extra special guest who might deserve a special introduction. But we'll lead off with you, Ann. Excuse us one minute while we get this set up. Right here. Yep. Okay. Oh, there it is right there. That's it. Okay. We're good. Thank you. Uh, so yes, Chair Colbert, um, we are delighted to have this presentation tonight on the hub study, which is uh, the hub in San Anselmo. And um, you'll get an explanation about why that is called what it is. Um, but just in terms of why we're doing this presentation tonight. Um, so Tam provided a significant amount of funding for the study. And uh, we are pleased to welcome San Anselmo staff and their consultant team uh, to join us tonight to provide an overview of uh, the results of the study so far. And um, really it's an update on a major transportation facility in the county and potential future projects. This is just informational. Um, we're not necessarily looking for specific feedback, although I'm sure uh, the team will be happy to answer any questions that you may have. So with that, I would like to introduce uh, Sean Condry, the Public Works Director for the Town of San Anselmo. And uh, he's joined also by David Parisi uh, from their Parisi consulting team and uh, Scott Schneider, who is the Assistant Public Works uh, Director is here as well. So I'll turn it over to you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for your time tonight. Um, I appreciate you having us here. Um, this has been a long time in the making uh, for the town and for me personally. Um, it's something that I'm glad we're actually presenting tonight. Um, so the hub, I'd like to think everybody here actually knows where the hub is and how much vehicles it ha has uh, on a daily basis. And I'm gonna go through that. Um, I'd also like to uh, thank uh, my assistant public works director. He was instrumental in getting this process through as was Dave Parisi with Parisi Transportation. Um, and they're both here to answer questions along with myself after the presentation. Let's see if I can get the uh, down key to work. It's not working. Oh, there we go. That one that one worked. Okay. Um, first, we're going to go over introduction um, and then existing conditions um, and then potential multimodal enhancements and recommendations and next steps. Um, this is a picture, an aerial picture of the hub um, that shows the size of the hub. It's adjacent to Red Hill. Um, uh, you have Red Hill actually street on the right and then Drake passing straight through and Center Boulevard on the left. Um, a $309,000 grant was awarded by Transportation Authority of Marin um, with a local match from the town of San Anselmo. Um, the grant was something that we've been working on with Tam to get for a few years, and we got that. And I'd like to thank Tam for that. Um, it's been instrumental in getting this moving in terms of a project that maybe we can get um, some work done on in the near future. 
Um, the study looked at short, medium, and long-term solutions and considered traffic safety and right-of-way. Um, the multimodal solution goals was to relieve traffic congestion, improve pedestrian and bicycle connectivity and safety, enhance tra transit service, and develop solutions that are implementable. A study process that uh, Parisi Transportation went through was to assess baseline conditions. And then we conducted a first uh, community workshop, which was well attended by uh, the town of San Salmon, its residents and others. Um, and from that, um, uh, conceptual alternatives were developed. Um, and then um, the alternatives were evaluated. And then a second community workshop was held um, with, uh, in, in the town. And based upon the input from the community and from other stakeholders, a final report was uh, completed, and that was presented both to the uh, Planning Commission in the town of San Selmo and to the town council about a week ago. Actually, we did them back to back to back. I wish we had a little more time in there, but this is our third one like in three weeks. So here's a, an aerial view of the hub um, back in 1909. Um, you can see it was basically a, a train hub. Um, that's why it's called the hub. Um, the train looks like it passed directly like from center to Red Hill. Um, and then you can see there's actually like a bypass, which is now Sir Francis Drake Boulevard um, that goes from Olima to San Rafael. It basically loops around Red Hill. Um, so it was a, a bit different back then. Here's some pictures back in the 1800s. You can see uh, the old railroad track. Um, and one thing I always notice is there are almost no trees back then. Um, in the 1900s, um, it went from being from trains to cars. And then here we are in the 2000s and we're still having vehicles. And one of the important notes about the hub is initially designed for trains and then cars, um, but not much thought was given to people and, and pedestrians and bicyclists and other modes of transportation. So this is the existing conditions right here. Um, one of the things to note from this picture is that there actually is a lot of area there, a lot of public right-of-way that we can utilize. Um, initially, when, when some of the alternatives were looked at, it was thought that we couldn't do much, but we'll show you that there's actually a lot that can be done. Um, this is the weekday peak vehicle demand at the hub. Um, so the orange is serve demand. Um, people can actually make it through on a cycle. And then the backed up demand, the, the blue, um, are people that are basically queuing up waiting to, for the next signal to come through. Um, and then there's also the diverted demand, people who just don't want to wait or go through the hub and go around the hub. And then the late demand um, are people who maybe decide not to travel at all or wait to a later time. And if you have questions about this, um, uh, Dave Priest, you can answer more of this. He he's really is the maestro behind all this report. There's a 200-page report that backs all this data up. So um, the vehicular traffic flows. Um, on the, on the left, you'll see that most of the traffic, substantial flows are from Red Hill to Drake and from Drake eastbound um, over to Red Hill. Um, and that's the, the, the eastbound traffic. That's the one that really gets backed up. If you've ever been over there um, in the mornings or actually throughout the day, historically, even since I've been there about 20 years, I can tell you there used to be more peak demand at certain times in the mornings and the afternoons, but it seems like traffic is just all the time now going through the hub. Um, and the level of traffic has been consistent. There's always been many, many vehicles traveling through the hub. Um, it takes over three minutes to complete the hub's uh, four-phase cycle on the signal phasing. Um, one, one, one of the phases, first phase is going from uh, Red Hill to Drake, and then also from Drake to Red Hill. And the second phase 
goes from uh, Drake to or Red Hill to uh, Drake um, eastbound and then also westbound. And then it goes through, through the other phases. Um, transit conditions, um, the uh, Marin Transit and Golden Gate Transit, um, the, the significant ridership is or, or substantial ridership is going from Red Hill um, onto Drake and then from Center Boulevard back onto Red Hill. And then the next major ridership is from um, Red Hill turning left onto Sir Francis Drake. And then other moderate ridership is in the other directions as shown on this. Um, one of the things that was looked at heavily was pedestrian and bike usage. Um, one, th one thing that came of note by one of our council members is, well, actually, how many pedestrians and bikes are there? And the count was actually quite low. Um, and I can tell you that as a resident of San Sam for almost 20 years, I think I personally have biked or walked through it once or twice, and I didn't ever want to do it again. Um, I find, you know, the alternate routes, adjacent intersections, much safer, easier to get through. Um, and, and, and that's part of the study, too, is what can we do at adjacent intersections? Um, if you've ever lived on one side of the Drake or the other, you find it's not easy to get from one side to the other. Um, so now we're going to look at uh, potential multimodal enhancements. Um, so traffic um, and transit improvement concepts. Um, one is adaptive signal upgrades. This is basically um, looking at uh, changing the type of controllers we have out there that look at vehicles coming and going. Um, and I'll get I'll talk a little bit more about this um, as we get through the slides. Um, and then adding a third southbound lane where you can see there's a lane on Sir Francis Drake East being added going on to Red Hill uh, towards San Rafael, which is one of the main um, paths of travel for vehicles. And then another um, alternative was looking at a split rerouted minor movement, which would actually take traffic from eastbound Drake um, down Bridge Street onto center. Um, that one, you know, we're not too big of a fan of. Um, I don't think it does great in terms of improvements, and um, I'm not sure people would like doing that loop around there. Um, another one we looked at is a T intersection with displaced left, um, the modern roundabout, and then a flyover for vehicles. And I'll go into some of these in more detail. Um, the active transportation improvement concepts um, looked at pedestrian connectivity and safety. These were a crosswalk and signal improvements. Um, removing the slip lanes, you know, for cars that are going around, like from Drake to Red Hill. Um, and then that that one aspect, I think, in terms of the slip lanes, a few of our council members did like, but it may be better for pedestrians, but not great for bikes or cars. Um, bicycle bypass route. Uh, this is one that we looked at and we'll talk about more later that I think has great potential. Um, and then would also be something that, you know, San Rafael is working on the east-west corridor right now. Um, as you, if you've driven there lately, there's a lot of construction going on. I think it's a great project. Um, it connects to Greenfield, which we did some work on back in the past. Um, and this could be another great connecting point to get San Rafael, San Salmon, Fairfax to have a much better connection than it does right now. Um, and then there's a pedestrian and bicycle flyover, which is something we'll look at tonight, uh, which I think has great potential for a much bigger project in the future. Um, and it would be something that would be e make it easy for people to get across Drake at the hub. And I think would also attract many more people to come and use um, the bike paths and pedestrian walkways that we have. And then also a circular flyover or Hoven ring was looked at. Um, unfortunately, we do not have enough public right away to really make it work. I, some people dream big and um, I like them for that, but it didn't work. So. 
Um, and so these are the evaluation traffic and transit concepts. Um, basically, uh, relief from local traffic congestion was weighted at 50%. Um, promotion of convenient, timely transit service, 25%. And then implementability. Um, I won't go through the breakdown. Um, and then active transportation concepts, the evaluation looked at promotion of active transportation and then implementability. And those were broken down further into uh, different percentages. And based upon that evaluation criteria, um, each of the projects were rated. And the projects that came out on the top um, included uh, the adaptive signal upgrades, um, also the T intersection with displaced left turn, and uh, the modern roundabout. Those are the top traffic and transit concepts that were looked at. Um, and then for the active transportation, multimodal bikes, PEDs, the top projects that came out were to or the pedestrian and bike flyover, and then um, the bicycle bypass route. Um, the circular flyover came out high too, but um, uh, town council and staff prefer um, number three and four on there. And then the recommendations and next steps. So this is um, the adaptive signal upgrade that we were talking about earlier. Um, this would basically change all the controllers out and allow the controllers to communicate better with the actual traffic patterns. Um, it wouldn't work great, as uh, Dave would tell you, um, with, with the peak periods, but the shoulder periods, it could help improve and reduce times and waits, waiting periods, and also to some degree, maybe um, induce the carbon gas emissions. Um, so that's a positive for, for green. Um, the bicycle bypass route, um, this would actually connect Greenfield going down Lincoln Park to Bank Street, um, which is already, a lot of bikers already take that path. If you've ever ridden over there, um, we did some um, improvements, um, complete streets on Greenfield a number of years ago, um, which actually Creasy was involved with too, and that's been very successful. Um, and so this would basically take that and enhance that even further. And this is something that I really think that the town, and I'd like to hopefully think that we can get funding from you know this agency or other agencies to do some big improvements on. Um, if you see the picture in the top right-hand corner, you see it's a, a two-way bike lane going through Creek Park. Um, this is an overlay, a plan view showing, basically taking the diagonal parking that is there right now, going parallel and then creating a bike lane that goes um, from about Bank Street through Creek Park all the way towards the center Boulevard Bridge or where Andronico's is, and then having a reverse bike lane. And this is something we've talked about for years. Um, we've also talked to all the different stakeholders out there and everybody seems to really like this idea. There will be some connectivity um, issues uh, down near Center Boulevard, but uh, uh, Scott Schneider and I are trying to think outside of our hats and, and come up with some good solutions over there um, and something that I hope we can do in the future. And then here's the roundabout, um, the modern roundabout, as it's called. Um, one of our council members asked, what, how is it different from a neoclassical roundabout? I'll let Dave Parisi answer that question. Um, Historically, I think a roundabout was looked at a number of years ago. I think maybe Tam was even involved in that, but there was kind of a fatal flaw in that roundabout at the time. I think it was a single lane roundabout, which just doesn't work. Um, this is a two lane roundabout and actually one area, three lanes. And so th this would actually be able to handle the amount of traffic that's going through there. Um, I believe it would slow down traffic to 10 to 15 miles per hour. Um, and so that would make it much slower and accessible for um, pedestrians and bikes but we do think there's other enhancements we can do that would work well with a modern roundabout. 
Um, this is the T intersection with displaced left turn, which actually, if you remember the overlay of the um, 1909 uh, hub with the trains, it's kind of similar to what was there in 1909 with, with you know, um, then it was a Lima Road, which is now Sir Francis Drake um, collecting, connecting to Red Hill. It'll be a straight um, bypass instead of going through the hub. Um, one downside for San Anselmo would we lose some of the uh, brand new median that we built, um, but it, it came out scoring high and would work very, very well. Um, the next one is pedestrian and bicyclist uh, flyover. Um, this is something that scored high and that the town thinks has a lot of um, potential to improve uh, multimodal transportation. Um, there's different configurations here. If I can show you right here, um, that could work well with Creek Park and hopefully uh, reimagine Creek Park project that's coming in the not too distant future. Um, and this is something that we think if we really want to do improvements out there along with the uh, bypass that we've talked about over off of Bank Street that could be done in the, in the future, but it's a much bigger project, but it would work well with a, a roundabout. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that, you know, I, I think about the hub, um, and I was writing this tonight, um, thinking about what to tell you guys, but the hub, it, it connects east to west Marin, and just like 101 or other major streets in Marin, the hub is one of the busiest intersections in the county, if not the busiest. Um, since I have been in the Public Works Department, department um, as a director, I have applied for grants to pave Drake, study the hub, et cetera, but I was often told that San Anselmo wasn't regional enough, but I knew that 65,000 cars a day or vehicles is as regional as it gets. And so, you know, we, if you take that number and you look at the number of people that live in San Anselmo, there's about 13,000 people that live in San Anselmo. And so that's only about a quarter of the vehicles going through the hub. And then if you take that, the number of vehicles going through the hub, that's at least a quarter of Marin's total population. And if you actually think about the people in those cars, it's probably more like a third to a half of the population going through the hub every single day. And, you know, it's, it's, it is an economic connection for people who live, work, and play in Marin, whether they're going to work, restoring power, contractors working on projects, package delivery, responding to emergencies, or coming to Point Reyes on the weekend to eat oysters at the hub, um, to eat oysters. The hub is a main focal point connecting the arterial streets from east to west. So it's only fitting that we are finally migrating what was built for trains and then vehicles to something that is multimodal for bikes and pedestrians. I think it's, it's long in the making that we really start thinking about people, about biking, and just about how we can make you know, San Selma is something that's not just beautiful to look at, but beautiful to be in and walk around and bike in. Um, I've traveled all over the world looking at roundabouts, and I went on a transportation uh, getaway with our uh, Brian Colbert that we had a great time at looking at trains. Chair Colbert. Chair Colbert. Just saying, just saying. Chair Colbert, excuse me. And, you know, one of the things that, that amazes me is, you know, the rest of the world and, and a lot of other countries are doing a really good job with things like roundabouts and bikes and, and thinking about people. And, you know, this whole country was built around cars. And I think it's really time we start thinking about how we can get to a better place and make it much more user-friendly. And we've been working on that in San Salvador. If you've come downtown in the summer, come downtown in the summer, you'll see what you can do and the changes you can make, the little things you can do. Um, with that, one of the main reasons we are here is to seek funding um, for implementation of short-term improvements. Um, you know, updating traffic signal systems with an adaptive signal upgrade, 
um, the bicycle bypass route, and then further set assessment and refinement of long-term concepts such as the modern roundabout, the T intersection, and the pedestrian and bicycle flyover. See, I can't get to my last slide now. It's stuck. Okay, I was gonna. I'll, I'll just tell you from my memory. So the, the projects, the the near-term projects, range from about one to five million dollars. Um, and I'd like to think that the the bicycle bypass is something we could do in the next year or two with funding. Um, and then the, the bigger term projects range from about $25 to $50 million. So they're, they're big projects, and there's no way a town of San Selma can do these without regional help, whether it's from TAM or MTC or other funding that is out there. Um, with that, I will take any questions, but I, I would like to thank TAM. TAM has been instrumental in a lot of projects that the town of San Selma has done, um, and I, I've enjoyed working with the staff and everyone there, um, and I hope to continue to do so and also Dave Parisi and, and Parisi Transportation and his staff, and also Scott Schneider, who literally carried this project from beginning to end. Um, thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thanks so much for a great presentation. And thanks so much, uh, Dave and, and Scott. Thank you so much for carrying this. Uh, any questions or comments from uh, my commissioners? This is not an action item, so thoughts? Urban. I have a question and then Okay, if I ask a question too, and then and give deliver. I know yeah, these, yeah, this these is things are yeah, this are is not an action item, so we can go ahead and blend it. That's fine. Okay, cool. Hey, so um, so uh, this is really helpful. So maybe Anne, you could ask, answer the question. So they're looking for one to five million for short term, twenty five million longer term. Like, what impact would that have on TAM? I mean, is that all TAM? Is that a variety of sort? No, okay, right. So yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that confirming that. <laughs> Right. So like, what is the relative amount, you know, ballpark ish um, that would be expected from Tam? Well, expected from Tam, I'm they would probably sure, like, love all of it from Tam. But I mean, Commissioner, one of the things to keep in mind is that, you know, the, the Tam, um, most of the Tam funding is in our sales tax measures. Right. And those have prescribed expenditure plans to different categories. Um, the original sales tax measure, Measure A, had a major roads category, and those projects are mostly done. There's a still that are a few that are being delivered. The new sales tax measure, Measure AA, does not have a new set of major roads type um, categories in it. So um, there really isn't a, a great fit for this in the expenditure plan to the kind of money that they're looking for. I mean, the short term improvements are probably six million dollars. And then the long-term improvements, I think, as you said, were 25 and up. So, um, you know, we're, we're absolutely happy to work with town staff and council to look for funding to support this. Um, I think, you know, there are some opportunities potentially for smaller amounts that are coming up. And some of it is formula money that comes to the town of San Anselmo uh, from TAM through Measure B and Measure AA. Uh, we have our TDA TFCA program uh, that'll have a call for projects probably this summer. Um, there are, of course, many uh, competitive programs at the state and federal level, and we would be happy to work with the town to um, sort of sort through what those are and uh, potentially also contacting and sort of bringing this to light at our regional partners, MTC, uh, for some of their programs as well. So. You know, when you're talking about um, a project that's um, multi-millions of dollars, usually you're cobbling together funding from a variety of different sources. And I think, especially for the long-term projects, that would probably be needed in this case as well. Okay, great. So we basically, aside from the formula money, we'd basically be assisting and providing or finding the funding that would come 
from other sources. I think that's right. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so should I deliberate as well, or do other people want to ask questions? Any 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 other questions right now, uh, Commissioner Kong? Thank you. I loved both the combination of practical and pragmatic and then the visionary. And so I uh, appreciate the work on that. Um, I had a question. I also have deliberations, but I actually have uh, two questions. Uh, one is on the bicycle bike bypass, which is the most accessible the way that you have described it. The removal of parking, that's not something that the local businesses come up in arms. I'm just going from experience what we experienced in San Rafael. So I'd love to hear about that. Um, and then the other one, and I can't tell from the diagrams, were there also bike boxes considered um, for the people that are coming off a bank onto Sir Francis, crossing Sir Francis Drake? So the bike boxes are where the, being a cyclist, I know this intersection very, very intimately. And I don't see that on there, but that could be something else that's very accessible in the short term. Um, as a Dave Priest was just saying, yes. And I, we've also talked about it um, at other intersections too, about doing bike boxes. So that is included. Um, parking, that's always a fun subject. Yes. Um, so I can tell you that parking always is an issue. Um, it comes up quite often on everything we do, and we have some merchants who don't want any changes whatsoever. Um, uh, Scott Schneider, our assistant director, actually did a, a almost two-year, I would say, parking study before and during COVID. Um, and if you actually look at parking in downtown, at any given moment, there's over 100 spots available. And our turnover is actually quite high for our two-hour spots. And so in our parking study, we have a bunch of recommendations. Um, one thing about the parking going from uh, diagonal to parallel, mm -hmm. in, in theory, you're losing half the spaces, but half the spaces are actually dedicated to merchants and not for customers. So we could actually keep the same number of customer spaces or people going shopping and then move the merchants further out, which we always thought was a little bit backwards. Parking in San Somo has always been kind of backwards where the, the best parking is free and the most the, the, the worst parking is, costs money. And so... We have some a lot of ideas that that we were ready to implement. I think town council and I think councils behind ideas like this. So thank you. Additional commissioner questions at this time, uh, Commissioner Catrano. Yes, uh, thank you so much for the presentation. Just one quick question on the details of um, blending the traffic transit improvements and the active transportation improvements. Um, the the T intersection with the displaced left turn looks sort of the most similar to, to what's kind of currently going on there. Um, and, and just looking at the pedestrian and bicyclist flyover, which sounded like it scored really well. Um, I was having a hard time placing exactly how the, the flyover works with a modern roundabout, but um, is it just, it, 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 it works pretty well or um... it, it would fly right over because it goes from Creek Park, which wouldn't be touched by the roundabout over to Greenfield, which which, you know, could be passed where the roundabout is. But I'll let uh, Dave Parisi answer that, too, and see what he has. Uh, thanks. Good evening. We designed all the active transportation uh, elements to overlay with any of the traffic and transit elements. So depending on the color money and timing, something could be done first and the other project could slip in at a later date. Perfect. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to clarify. Thank you. Commissioner Rodoni. Yeah, thank you, uh, Chair Roundabout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, th thank you for bringing this forward. Uh, exciting to see this. I know a lot of my district, West Marin, travels through this intersection. I'm wondering if any of the short-term and or long-term tried to expedite public transit through this intersection, because I think that's an important aspect 
to make sure the connections to the transit center and San Rafael really are on time. And I, I would like you to look at that at some point, even short term. So. Um, that that's, has been talked about a lot. I do know from talking to transit in the past that they do like the idea of roundabouts in terms of getting through. Um, they also love the idea of a roundabout at Center Boulevard and Bridge Street, which is also in the hopper um, in terms of getting through the, the hub there. But I'll let Dave Parisi speak about that too. Yeah, thank you. There are about 1,600 riders going through the hub a day. Uh, it's quite substantial. We work very closely with Marin Transit and Golden Gate. Their biggest concerns are the delays going through the hub, but also the, the fact that pedestrians getting to and from buses have to walk a long way to transfer. Um, they actually routed their buses, uh, they've rerouted their buses to not have to go through the hub as much because of all the congestion. And they'd love to restore the, the bus stop there on center and use that more actively and be able to travel in and out of the hub with fewer bus stops in the region and uh, more efficient more efficient operations. Commissioner Rice? Yeah, thank you. Um, this is really exciting and fun too. Um, question about how the, especially the roundabout concept works or inter would interact with the signaled uh, intersections up at Red Hill and Greenfield, and then onward into San Rafael, and then the other direction, for, uh, Sir Francis Drake at the Red Hill shopping center intersection in San Francisco. And, and this is just a general question about how roundabouts work. Anyway, when they're bumping into, when they're putting through traffic in a continuous motion into then more traditional intersections. I'm gonna let Dave answer most of this, but I can tell you that right now, one of the biggest complaints I get is that the hub doesn't interact with the other signals. Um, it, it can't. Um, um, we, if you actually made it work with Bank Street, like everybody wants it to at, at Drake, it would delay everything else. But uh, that has been looked at, and I'll let Dave Preecy answer that. Yeah, we were very concerned about that. In fact, um, some of the town council members in San Anselmo brought that up. We want to understand what would happen downstream. So with the roundabout, actually with all the traffic operations, we took a look at downstream operations down to Sequoia off Red Hill and going into Fairfax, going north on Sir Francis Drake and to understand the, the congestion. And can the downstream intersections accommodate potentially some additional traffic uh, with the different options? With the flyover, the vehicular flyover, it actually couldn't. There'd be a big traffic jam uh, on Red Hill. Uh, we determined that. Um, this was a criteria that was looked at for all the options. With the roundabout, however, it doesn't deliver that much more traffic. It just balances out uh, during the day. So that was a factor. Uh, I think it scored 25% of the points on what the downstream effects would be for any of these traffic options. Okay, great, thank you. And then one more question. I'm just, I mean, this would obviously be a, an enormous investment and probably cobbling together money a little bit over time, but it would be an investment and a change in circulation that would be intended to last for decades. So I'm just kind of, I'm thinking about, it's impossible to should project, but maybe you'd have a crystal ball day in terms of um, uh, traffic volume, both uh, active transportation and and automobile and and what what how that how you're able to project or, or sort of feed in housing element information or what have you, and then how how the improvements behave. Well, I, I say from a traffic standpoint, we're just trying to to be honest balance. The, uh, the network. Uh, the hubs have actually been accommodating about 60 to 65,000 cars a day for decades. Mm -hmm. That's how many are getting through. It's been very constant. On the other hand, some traffic's avoiding the hub, as Sean showed in some of the graphics, uh, going in different routes or not making the trips whatsoever. Um, we never, never set out to accommodate all the traffic demand. 
I think that'd be impractical. The downstream intersections and the, and the Ross and San Rafael Fairfax would all suffer from that. So I think the, uh, the intention was to try to balance it, trying to manage congestion while improving transit access as well and bicycle and pedestrian circulation safety. Thank you. Commissioner Sackett. Yeah, so this may be speaking a little out of turn, but I guess when I go through the hub, I think of it as San Anselmo and Fairfax, um, just by sort of nature. And so I guess, you know, it, to see this come back, it would be great to, and I recognize it's a San Anselmo project, et cetera, but I just think that because it impacts so many other jurisdictions, I mean, it feels that to make it a broader collaboration of jurisdictions, I would think would make it more competitive. Um, and it just, it'd be nice to have that, you know, collaborative support from other, the other cities, which are clearly impacted by having to go through there every day. Um, that's a great suggestion. Actually, we did talk about having a meeting with at least San Rafael and Fairfax and Ross um, to look at that. Um, and that was kind of the point of the presentation tonight too, that it is a regional hub. It's not just San Anselmo's hub, but sometimes I think it gets looked at, oh, it's San Anselmo's problem. And I think it, it's, it's, it's all of our problem or all of our ways to get to and from different parts of Marin and something that we can make better for everyone. But that's a very good suggestion. Thank you. Mr. Fredericks. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. So your mic light was on. Sorry. Commissioner Carroll. A couple of comments. When I own Sausalito Taxi and I was through there today, I'll be doing there tomorrow, heading out to uh, Point Reyes to Lima for some customers. And I do a lot of work for a wine country trekking. And so I'm, I'm through this thing, everything, all the time. And actually, I was trying to think the first time I think I went through it was at the age of 11 on our way to Marin Town and Country Club. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm old. God, <laughs> I'm so old. It's a great destination. Um, but the one, and I, your enthusiasm is overwhelming, quite frankly. So I'm not going to question you about <laughs> how you, you know, what, what specifics you really want to go through. I, I, I can sense that you're going to come up with what you can, a good plan. Uh, but I do have one question and that's the roundabout. I've seen it in Berkeley and in other, now they have one in the Presidio, uh, which is fascinating to watch. And I'm wondering if there's any statistics on how long it would take people to get used to. Huh. That would be a pretty major roundabout. And I'm just curious if Mr. Parisi has any experience i mean are we talking six months a year two years what would so, that timeline be before i give it to um dave um so i did a demonstration project in san francisco boulevard in san Salmon with little roundabouts and um, other traffic improvements and bioretention um and i can tell you that it, it it took a while for some people to learn it um about i would say 80 to 90 percent of people now use it correctly um some people just refuse to use it correctly i think i think it's because we were partly cowboys in america and we don't want to follow anything. Um, we did make our roundabouts uh, mountable, so you can drive over them with a fire truck or other emergency vehicles, and some people just refuse to go around them, but most people use them well. It also, we, one of the reasons we did it was traffic calming, and so the speed on, on San Francisco Boulevard was about 27, 28 miles an hour. It went down to 21, um, and some people refuse to go around them just because they see me, and that's they're telling me something else, and they go right, right over them, so. 
<laughs> and what I'd add to that is score, scores of roundabouts are being uh, built every year in the U.S. now. Um, one thing that would be different, a little bit different than the roundabout, the roundabout in uh, at the hub would be it would have multiple lanes. And so those take a little bit more time to get used to. Marin may not be ready uh, for that until we've seen more and more single lane roundabouts. On the other hand, the research has shown that typically about 70 80 to 80% of citizens in a community are skeptical or doubt a roundabout is a good idea when it's, when it's being planned. You survey the same group a year after it's been implemented and operating, it's 70 80% are in favor of roundabouts. So that's the trends we're starting to see in the US. Any additional commissioner questions before we move to commissioner comments? Seeing none, any commissioner comments? Commissioner Carmel. Yeah, thank you so much for this presentation. It's super interesting. So um, so some of these comments are gonna resonate with uh, the rest of the board here because you've heard me say these things before, but so we're in an era now where we're, because of, you know, uh, Rena and the housing and the development here, where we're just going to see continued growth, right? And that's just going to put continued pressure on a transportation network. And we need to be planning ahead for it in many ways. This is already a highly impacted neighborhood. This is already the most important art, you know, artery that we've got in the county. Um, and so we need to be figuring out a solution to this thing because what we've got right now clearly doesn't work at all. I love the fact that this is a multimodal effort, right? And it has to be multimodal, not just for transit, but also for pedestrians and bicycles, because that's where this is going to end up in the future, especially with smart train right down the road and the ferry terminal right down the road. So critically important to do it that way. Um, I love the fact that we're bringing this here a month after we just talked about a similar project in Cordobadera to connect the two sides of the highway. So I love the fact that this board is now considering these local projects because I think that's really high impact. And I think this is incredibly important. Um, in terms of the two concepts I saw in the paper that your council had a preference for the T, uh, which must have been hugely disappointed for the chair of the roundabout. However, I, just want to say, I just want to say that that's still in play, right? No decision has been made. We're just having spirited discussion. Yeah. So, so I can say as, um, so somebody, I grew up on the East Coast. So back in the 1970s, when we had, you know, the oil embargoes, uh, Jimmy Carter basically said, hey, you need to be more efficient with your fuel. And the state of Rhode Island basically went and built a bunch of roundabouts, right? And so I lived right next door to that in Connecticut. And if you go into Rhode Island, you got all these roundabouts that you drive through. It's the only state in the nation that's got them and they work. Um, in Napa, they've now got roundabouts. You get off the highway in Napa, there's roundabouts and the roundabouts right next to each other. When you go up to Tahoe, and Tahoe is probably the hardest place in you know the state of California to put something like a roundabout in. They've got multiple roundabouts in a row right by the highway um, in winter conditions. I think those are two lanes also, right? Those are significant roundabouts. That community figured it out. Everybody who goes up there does not have a problem using it. So I hear you, David, when you say like people are skeptical, but you know your second comment is really the most important part, which is that they work and people figure them out really quickly. The research on them is overwhelmingly positive in terms of safety improvements and efficiency improvements. So, you know, with all due respect to the San Samo Town Council, I think the roundabout is the way you should go on this thing. So, <laughs> give it up here, right? <laughs> like, uh... Wow, thank you, Urban. I, I appreciate that. Appreciate the high five. Any other? Any up, uh, Mr. Ravazio? I too support Chairman Roundabout and. Um... 
I would like to just say that after working on the Corte Madera project, which was just mentioned, the quality of the design work is what I think has got Caltrans so on board. And that design work was done pro bono by an architectural firm in San Francisco because the head designer of that firm had a son who wanted to ride his bicycle over the Tamalpais overcrossing to get to school. And so they adopted us as a pro bono project. And I think I, I finally got the dollar amount. It was $101,000 worth of design work that they came to Corte Madera with. And we said, wow, great, that looks wonderful. And then authorized it for them to take it to Caltrans. And Caltrans apparently received it well because we heard nothing until seven years later when they came back to us basically with the Skidmore, Owings and Merrill design. So I just want to encourage that you reach out to the San Anselmo community and find, I mean, I, I, I can't judge the design work. I, I can't, but I just know that the more you look at it and the more you think of it, and if we bring in really good, high quality designers, I mean, the guy at Skidmore's and Owings and Merrill actually did downtown Beijing. He did the transit and the, and the pedestrian um, plans for there and all about bicycling and so forth. So I just want to encourage that we get the best design work and we get it for free. <laughs> if we can. Commissioner Katrana? Yes, thank you. Um, I had one more follow-up question and then a comment. The, the follow-up question is, as we plan for these improvements and it's going to cost um, a little bit of money, but um, well worth it, uh, have are these plans um, going to be dated by the time that we have additional housing in this part of the county, or are these sort of future-proofed a little bit? Uh, what what's your take on that? I think that's a, a very good question. Um, I like to think roundabouts are you know I think they're futuristic for us, um, although they're probably not so much in um, other places. I can tell you that. When I've gone to different countries, and I was recently in Iceland, they have roundabouts on the freeway. They have roundabouts everywhere, whether you're going 10 miles an hour or 60 or 70 miles an hour. And they seem very future-proof roundabouts in and of themselves. Also, if you go to the Netherlands and you look at their whole bike freeway system, um, and now actually even with e-bikes, they're able to get around very quickly going from a small town to a big city in minutes. Um, so I actually like to think these are all future-proof if we improve bike, ped, and, and looking at things like roundabouts. I prefer the roundabout myself, but um, we'll see what council or, or we can get approved, so. <laughs> Great, and, and I would just say my my two comments. Um, one, I just wanna, um, you know, plus one Commissioner Sackett's point about uh, this, this really is, um, you know, going to affect a lot of the communities nearby, and it would be great to have some sort of task force or working group that that teams up or this be brought to other councils in the neighboring jurisdictions to get some feedback on it um, early enough in the process, of course. And, and the other thing to Commissioner Rudoni's point, you know, um, places like Point Reyes National Seashore, like they receive millions of visitors every year in, in our open space. And this is one of the main ways for folks around uh, not only the North Bay, but around the whole Bay Area to get out. So uh, yeah, I think this is a, a project of regional significance and we really need to treat it that way moving forward. So thank you. If I can just add one more thing in talking about future proof, because um, this is something we have talked about. 
And what we could actually see in the future is fewer signals. We've talked about roundabouts at Butterfield and Drake. We've talked about roundabouts at Bolinas and Drake. We've talked about roundabouts at Bank and, and, and Drake, which could actually could help some of the issues we're having there now. And there's already one looked at. So I think future-proofing is continuing on with this kind of thought throughout San Anselmo, throughout Marin County, and improving our infrastructure everywhere. Commissioner Cole? Uh, just one question. I'm sorry, I didn't think about it earlier. Has the Ross Valley Fire Department been consulted about uh, their needs in terms of getting out and getting in various directions? So Ross Valley Fire Department, I have discussed the roundabout with them. I've discussed the hub with them a number of times. They they want a, a, actually a few things done now in terms of a, a signal change and being able to change it themselves. Um, so they will be part of this whole process. Thank you. Any additional commissioner comments? I think we'll take public comment right now, Jennifer. Okay, thank you, Matthew Hartzell, WTB TAM again. Um, this is a great project and it was wonderful to hear so much support and eff effusiveness about the project and especially about some of the, the really important aspects of it, the multimodal aspects. The, the network connectivity aspects and the future proofing and the adaptation to what the future needs of Marin County transportation users are going to be. So really thank you to everybody here for this presentation. Thank you. And, and we, we really are on the same on board and, and agree with the recommendations of the consultants of town councils, the majority of the town council's guidance of the Public Works Department's staff's recommendations, um, and uh, and with the the comments expressed here tonight, um, I think that the we we think that the prioritization of the near term improvements and then the latter the more medium to long term improvements make sense are are logical. Um, we we understand that maybe if the near-term improvements cost six million dollars that six million dollars may not be immediately available if if tam were to try to provide help but we might ask that that one or two million dollars for the bicycle bypass improvement maybe that is something that as director Condry said maybe it could happen in one or two years so maybe tam could look into their pockets and and help make that be one of the the first improvements to move forward and then try to move the additional improvements um, forward as well. Roundabout is very exciting. It's it's definitely future-proofing. Of course, there would be more details, tweaking. Um, we, we noticed that some of the kind of deflection angles of the, the excess from the roundabout seem, seem maybe faster than they need to be. And we might be concerned about the safety of the pedestrian crossings around theirs, but those are details that can be worked out as, as these projects unfold. So I just wanted at the end, really emphasize how this project is important in connecting a the, the county-wide bicycle multimodal pedestrian network, the Cross Marin Trail, also known as the East-West Corridor, from San Rafael to San Anselmo, right through the hub, um, and then on to Fairfax, Woodacre, and West Marin. It's the second most important um, regional trail in Marin after the North-South Greenway, and this really will tie together the entire countywide network. And I, I think that Council Member Feynman at the recent uh, town council meeting said something really well, which is that 
the bicycle pedestrian improvements will really have an outsized impact on the local residents because they're the ones who are most likely to be on foot or by bike using this facility. And that includes San Anselmo and Fairfax and Ross and San Anselmo and San Rafael. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Jennifer, any additional public comment? I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Thank you. Let's bring it back. Any additional commissioner comments? Well, I'll, I'll offer a few closing remarks. Sean, that was an incredible presentation. <laughs> I'll be sure and tell my fellow colleagues on the Senate Summer Council how amazing you and Scott were. Dave, thank you so much. But no, in all seriousness, I really would like to take the, the, SAM, the TAM staff for their help and assistance in preparing this report. And I'd like to thank all my fellow commissioners for their insightful remarks and support of the project. Certainly, Matthew Hartzell, thanks for your comments. And I guess the, the last thing I'd like to say is I actually think this study is the foundational piece to addressing the immediate and pressing needs of the problem of vehicular congestion while, and it seems to be the phrase of the night, future-proofing multimodal transportation concerns for present and future generations. I think we are wrapped, are we not? Thank you so much. Great to see everybody in person. Bye-bye.